Hey guys, welcome back to the OSL Podcast. Today, I get the incredible opportunity of sitting with Chris Cunningham. Chris Cunningham is an associate youth pastor here at Oaks Church in the Oaks Youth Department. He's an amazing man of God. He went through the OSL program, graduated last year. Phenomenal, phenomenal young leader. We're going to talk to him today about small groups, about ministering to high schoolers and junior hires, how to get them involved in small groups, and why it's so important to have them there, and what the strategy of the Oaks Youth Department is when it comes to small groups. And maybe it'll be helpful to you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris Cunningham. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. So glad you're here, man. It's going to be a great conversation. Can you just talk to us a little bit about yourself, like where you come from, anything about your background that would help us help the listener out there know who you are? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in Arkansas called Paris, actually. And there's one in Texas too. And Paris, France. Yeah. I grew up there. There's like 3000 people. And so obviously the only thing to do in small town, Arkansas is ride four wheelers and shoot guns and, you know, small town life. When I was growing up, I went to the, at an AG church all of my life. When I was 10, I got to go to my first youth camp or kids camp. It actually, it's what it was in Arkansas. And that's where God called me into ministry. And then through a series of favorable events, I ended up at SAGU. And when I visited SAGU, I didn't even know OSL was a thing, but somehow, some way, my, the person giving me a tour did. Yeah. And who was that person? I don't remember. That wasn't me. No, no, no. Like at SAGU, they gave me a campus tour. I thought you were talking said, about here at this campus, and I'm like, I, I walked you around with you and your mom. But yeah, the day of, it was random. Okay. They sent me here. That was not And me. we found yeah. you. And so you were, did you say you were called to ministry in, in youth camp? Did, kids camp. Say? Yeah. Kids camp. When I was kids 10, camp. and then it just like kept getting confirmed as I got older, and then I ended up here. Man, very cool. Very cool. And you just graduated, right? Yeah. When did you graduate? just graduated SAGU in May. In at May. the beginning of May. So you're here today because we want to talk a little bit about your role here at Oaks Church and specifically in Oaks Youth. And why don't you just describe that for me? And and in doing so, tell me what you do. And then in doing so, I want you to also follow that up with, you know, what are some of the big rocks that you have to move on a daily or weekly basis? So my role is very fluid in Oaks Youth because I am more of a translator with what Pastor Andrew, who is the youth pastor, once done. I take everything that he says and compile it and translate it to all of our interns because I act as intern director. Pretty much the things that he says, I need this done, I can either do them or I can delegate them. And I can't do everything, so a lot of things I delegate. And we have people on our team that are just, they're on the team because they have great strengths and areas. So like if he told me, hey, this post needs to happen, I'm not gonna post on social media, I'm gonna give it to our social media person. His name's Ethan. Ethan, the, he's a awesome. professional. Yeah. Ethan. So there's that. Uh, there's a little bit of administrative work like receipts and, and things like that. Currently, we're putting on our camp that we do every summer. We do our yeah. own camp, and not a single person on the team is over 24. Whoa. So we are in uncharted waters, <laughs> and it is a very big monster that we're trying to trying to take on. So that's pretty much the— So that's a big rock. It is. It's coming up. Yeah. And you so you manage and lead the interns— Yes, I do. Okay, so that's a big rock. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about pushing that rock lately? Is that is are you getting better at that? Getting better at it, yeah. <laughs> However, the work looks different when you have to plan and equip people to do a job that you'd like them to do because you don't have time to do it. So I'm still 
working my butt off, but yeah. it looks a little bit different than I've been used to. So I'm kind of getting used to that. We don't have as many interns during the summer mm-hmm. because we it's Oak School of Leadership and most of them are SAGU students. So a lot of them right. go home for the summer, but we do pay to yeah. stay over the summer and help yeah. us out. Yeah. So what, what are you trying to accomplish? I mean, let's say you had two or three years in this position and I don't know, you may go to a different position or whatever, but let's say that you were in the same position. What, what are you trying to accomplish? What's the big dream? so to speak, in the position that you're in? Honestly, when I came in freshman year, Andrew, which is Pastor Andrew now, uh, was a sophomore. Yeah. And he connected with me, and we just hit it off. And for my first semester, we just became really good friends. And it's been that way ever since. So when he became youth pastor, I just knew I would do anything in my power to love this guy and support this guy and take whatever weight I can off of his shoulders and help him do this thing because it's a total God thing that me and him and his wife and Josh are getting to lead this thing because we were all friends when we came. It was Mm -hmm. like, we're all youngins and you couldn't have told me when I came in that this was going to happen or I would have laughed at you. Yeah. But now we're doing this thing that's a total God thing and that's my ultimate goal, I guess. So your goal is just to support and... Yeah, for the just, for the like, health of Oaks youth and the students in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit about. So we're here. We're, I mean, the main priority here is to talk about small group ministry in Oaks youth. And so the first question I just I wanted to throw this out was just I guess I want to ask whether or not a youth ministry needs to be intentional when it comes to small groups. And I know that everyone is going to say, yes, of course, you need to be intentional. But my question is why? Can you give me some reasons as to why we need to be intentional with that? Let's say they matter because Jesus did life in small groups. They matter because in Acts, it's the Acts model of church. All they did was meet in homes, do life together, sold their possessions and helped each other out. And so all like you look in, in scripture and it's advocated and shown this is how you do life in circles it's not done in rows so to speak like you sit in church it's done in circles so i think it's really important that a church has that because if you're a church the size that we are there's no way people are going to feel connected unless you have somewhere some community like some some people to surround themselves with that are going to help them, that they're going to get to live life with. They're going to be there for them when times get hard, and they're going to celebrate when times are good. Like, I, I don't understand how a, a church could grow past the, the markers, so to speak, like the 100, the 500, the 1,000 barriers, I guess you would say. Yeah. I don't understand how a church could grow if you don't have areas for people to be a part of. Yeah. So you would say Jesus is, I mean, that that was his strategy, was to focus in on the small groups? Because he did both, right? I mean, he taught thousands of people. I mean, he fed for 5,000 people, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable miracle. Do you think his primary strategy was to just invest into a smaller group? I think, I think it was, yeah. If you look at it from a youth ministry perspective, if he traveled around with 120 people, but he really had 120 that followed him, he really had just 12 that he went deep with, and he had three that he even went deeper with Peter, yeah. James, and John. And then he had one that he really went deep with. You would think like something's up with that. If I want to be like Jesus, I should probably, you know, notice things about his life. Yeah. And so if I'm doing that in my own life, if I'm a youth pastor and I'm just, you know, preaching to 300 students every night, like our youth ministry is, mm-hmm. if you just get up there and preach and there's no one-on-one discipleship or one-on-one sharing of your faith or even one-on-three or one-on-five or whatever it is, how are you going to have time to go deep 
because everything else will just be wide. And there is a good balance to both, like a yeah. constant tension to manage. But yeah, you're never going to go deep if you don't have that small community. And people aren't going to be able to, to consistently fight for a cause if they don't have community. And so in Oaks Youth, we believe in community before the cause. And so we always, like even in our internship, we spend Thursday mornings together. It is simply, we're going to hang out. We're going to drink coffee. We're going to eat cereal. We're going to we're gonna celebrate people from the night before yeah. and things that went good. We're just going to hang out and get to know each other because we're the community that's helping this thing go. So if you lose that, you lose the fight for the cause. In the same way, in your own personal life, if you lose that community as a Christian, you're going to stop fighting for the cause to keep yourself following after Christ. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like one of the core principles of it, of a small group strategy is to build those relationships mm-hmm. and to create that environment where maybe there's a more open line of communication between a leader and those who are following or learning. And so those smaller groups open that up. They make it more possible. I'm thinking about Jesus and the biblical model of where maybe the questions that came up with his disciples were different from the things that he was teaching on the side of a hill to who knows how many hundreds or thousands of people, but they were different levels. And I guess that's happening in small groups. I mean, that's what you want, right? Those open lines of communication. Yeah, we really try and equip our leaders with a curriculum that we write every week. It's based off a catechism that is a thing we've been a part of for about three years, but it comes down to this. We believe that a student is not going to own their faith if they ask us questions and we give them the answer. They're going to own their faith if we can ask them questions that are open-ended, which Mm -hmm. require a response other than yes or no. We ask them those kind of questions that get them to talk and get them to start to wrestle with that issue, whatever we're talking about, in their mind and with their faith. And then that sparks more conversations and it leads to deeper things. Yeah. I mean, do you think that that happens? I mean, when you think about high schoolers nowadays, junior high students, so I'm a parent of one. I mean, she just turned, well, no, she's about to turn 14, but it's been a year. She's been a teenager. It seems like they're more open, like with stuff. I mean, my my generation growing up when I was a teenager was more, here's the answer. Now you go do it this way. Mm -hmm. Here's the right answer. Now you do it. Just follow a checklist of everything that you're right that you're supposed to do. But this this generation, I mean, I'm guess it just feels different. Maybe I'm just a parent now, different perspective. But you have to be with them in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like not tell them what the right answer is, but walk with them through it. Just much more highly relational than my generation was. So that's a that's so it's a high priority to have those open relationships in small groups. Do you guys have an intentional like? Is there a strategy that you guys have developed regarding Regarding this? Regarding getting students to small groups? Well, anything anything small group related. I mean, where does it rank on the list of the most important things that youth does, Oaks Youth does every week? It's one of the top. Yeah, without it's a doubt. Like the top three? Yeah. Probably your Wednesday night service is one. Your, and this would probably be second. This would be second. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that it's successful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And success means what? We define a win after small groups. Really, like if we look at a student, if they're in small groups and they graduate if they can if we can hear these two statements from them we consider it a win that they can say it is written and they can say the lord said the first one it is written they know the bible they know like just like jesus and how he resisted the enemy in the desert he was able to quote god's word and he knew it by heart and that's what helped him that's what we want students to know but also we want students to hear the lord's voice because we're not going to be there in their life forever we're going to leave because they graduate or since we're in a leadership school our leaders graduate after four years and go somewhere 
we got to have students that know the word and know how to hear God's voice. But like practical things, we want every student to connect with a leader, other small groups, and we want every student to connect with a student because it's it's peer-to-peer relationships too that they have to learn how to build and grow because that's going to be their entire life. And student-to-leader mm-hmm. relationships because they need to understand the value of having a mentor in their life and what that can do for them. And then one day understand, oh, I can do this for somebody else and then pass that mentorship off to another person. So multiplication. Yeah. So multiplying, not just the number of groups, but the number of leaders that can lead groups. It's very interesting to hear you say that you, you know, it's so focused on the Bible. Yeah. And that's, I think that's awesome. I mean, not just focused on the social aspect of it, mm-hmm. but actual learning the scripture. So this thing we've been a part of for a couple of years, it's called Catechism. And pretty much we're a part of an organization called One Hope that gathered Bible professors and like youth pastors and people that study Generation Z, which those are the teenagers right now, got all these people together and figured out the top 70 questions to have a biblical worldview. And based off these questions, we come up with a discussion every single week that's full of the open-ended questions. We throw the Bible Project videos in there. They're a great resource, but pretty much we get students' wheels turning in their mind and we ask them the hard questions because this generation, Generation Z, they are the most biblically illiterate generation that has ever been, so to speak. They don't know it. Like there's statistics that are releasing today. There's an Instagram account called Feed Youth Ministry. They're awesome. Go follow them. And that they do all these studies and they they partner with Barna Mm -hmm. and take all these percentages and they're posting constantly all these stats on Gen Z. And one of them is biblical literacy. So what we really do is we believe that the Bible can answer any question that you have with it or against it or against Jesus or whatever. We believe enough in it that we're going to ask it the tough questions, and we do that every single week in small groups, come up with them, wow. and then we d- we don't put the pressure on our leaders to have the right answer or the students. We just let them know, hey, you can come to one of the staff members if you have that question, and if we can't answer it, we'll go higher up. And it's a cool opportunity for the leaders of that small group when a student asks the questions that, that they don't know yeah. to say, hey, I don't know, but let's figure this thing out together. And then since small groups are a platform for discipleship for us, that just opened the door to an opportunity to go pour into a student and discover truth together. Because as you're trying to find this truth, God is truth. So you're growing closer to God with the student. So So good. So good. What what are some common questions that students are asking nowadays? I mean, is there one that's just like, oh, we get that question all the time? Man, there's the classics. Like, if you're some random person on the middle of an island in the middle of the ocean and you've never heard God's word or Jesus and you die, what happens? Like, do you go to hell? <laughs> People ask us that. There's, They're always asking us, can you lose your salvation? There's actually, thank you, Apple. You can share notes with yeah. with people. I don't know if you know that. So something really simple that I do is I just create a note and send it to some guys. And I say, any question you have, put it in this note and I'll answer it. And so that's what I just went to. So really? Yeah. That's so so smart. There's questions like, I need to do that. Am I praying to God the right way? Or is that why I've never heard him? Why are temptations so strong? Are we rewarded when we resist them? What about when I have doubts? How can I overcome these doubts? What if I don't see or understand God's plan for me and I get lost? So, so hold like, on, hold on a second. These these are guys that you're discipling. Yeah, these are high school students. Right and now. they just put these questions in the note that you share, and then you just answer them when you. Right. They'll put them in the note. I'll do some. I'll carve out time in my week. I'll research it. I'll pray about it. I'll ask other people, and then I come up with my best short answer. I give it to them, and then they always have them because they're just stored in this iCloud note. Yeah. And anytime they wonder that again, they can go back, and usually I'll include a Bible verse because. 
I try to get my answers from the Bible and that way they'll know, well, the truth is always there to this question. So if the enemy ever tries to attack them with doubts again, yeah. it's right there in yeah. their note. Maybe just go read it. That is so smart. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that because I'm going to start doing that. It's <laughs> a genius welcome. way. I love that. So how many small groups do you guys have? That's interesting. <laughs> right now we have six high school groups okay. and I'm not sure how many junior high. I think six. Maybe four or six? Four maybe because we did have them all in homes in 20 this was 18 19 so 17 18 school year we were all in homes so every sunday night high school were in homes and junior high were in homes then 18 19 we went to two services we would do junior high service from 6 30 to 7 30 and then they would go over and have small groups on site while high school service was happening and high school small groups were on sundays and junior high just didn't do anything yes i think for this last year it was six high school four to six junior high and they're divided up by the cities that attend and the high schools that attend our youth ministry yeah yeah so okay Geographically. Yeah. They're divided geographical geographically. small groups. And so you, ha- you have, what, a guy leader and a girl leader for every small group? Right. We try to have two guy leaders and two girl leaders per small group. And some of those, since we were doing junior high on four, Wednesdays. Four leaders were, a small group. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I'm doing numbers. That's 40 leaders. Yep. <laughs> that's a lot of leaders. It is. And then you have a pastor that's over that whole group of leaders. Yeah. We just hired one. Josh. Josh Miranda. All right. Very cool. So when you're when do you when do you all have your meetings where you celebrate your wins and everything? Is that Thursday morning you said? Mm-hmm. Your heart and soul mm-hmm. things, events that you guys do. What are some things that come up about small groups that are wins? I mean, I know it's not just like, hey, we had thirty people there. I mean, yeah. What does that even mean? Are there like people are there kids giving their lives to the Lord? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, we like really that. love to celebrate those stories of life change. One thing that we love to say in Oaks Youth is we want to move students from Wednesday to the weekend to the world, but sometimes we move them from the weekend to Wednesday to the world, and that's pretty much Wednesday services. The weekend is attending a local church and then small groups, so it can be either or. And then the world is after they graduate, we want to send them out into the world to you know, be the best they can be, or while they're in our youth ministry, we send them to the world as in we send them on a mission trip to go serve a community somewhere. So the stories they get celebrated are like, hey, this girl has been coming to my small group and I've been discipling her and she has this friend. Well, she got this friend to come to Oaks Youth this Wednesday and it's our first time. That's a celebration. Yeah. It gets ramped up if that student accepts Jesus yeah. for the first time. Wow. It gets awesome if they've been bringing that friend for a year and finally, after a year, or after three years, that student decided, you know what, tonight's my night. Yeah. It gets Really cool when you hear about like girls telling their moms to load their vans full of other girls just to bring them wow. to church on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, or people giving rides to small groups on Sunday night. It gets really cool when you when you hear about conversations that people had on Wednesday because we give you the template for the conversation. But sometimes a student asks a question and you get prompted by the Holy Spirit and you know this is where the conversation needs to go. Yeah. So you kind of dive deep on that topic. Sometimes on Tuesday mornings when we have our discipleship huddle before the day starts we get to hear about those and they're awesome like even getting texts from students we'll send those in the team chat and just like celebrate the revelation a student had or the growth they're making or stuff like that yeah life change fuels us and that's what we celebrate so what is what is your biggest challenge then with small groups yeah i mean those are some amazing wins right there i mean what's what what's the biggest challenge Man, I'd say our biggest challenge is getting students to show up because we live 20 minutes south of Dallas. Yeah. It's a Sunday night. You know how many things you can do 20 minutes south of Dallas on a Sunday night? Yeah. And yet we're asking you to come hang out for an hour, 
eat food, play volleyball, play spike ball, hang out for an hour, and then have a little bit of worship and then talk about your faith for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the constant challenge that we face, I feel like, because, I mean, you're competing with the world. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. There are ways you battle it. Like you have students that you invite and students who invite. So you'll text the students who you're inviting that you want to be there. You text them as the leader. But then you have students that are just committed. They're in this thing. They're leaders. They have influence. And you say, you don't ask them, hey, are you coming to small groups? You ask them, hey, who are you bringing to small groups? Yeah. Yeah. We've got people out there that I'm sure that will listen to this. Maybe they're in youth ministry, they're in leadership, or they could be a high school senior or something. Their ministry might not be as big. How would you start uh, a small group ministry within Oaks U? How would you just put the pieces together at the beginning? Mm-hmm. I'd do a sermon series. Yeah? I Yeah, I would. I'd make it so important from stage as, you know, say I was a youth pastor somewhere. I'd make it the most important thing. And then there's all sorts of illustrations you can do for one one thing i've heard is like first week you have everybody in the room make an entire huge circle and then you just have five minutes of conversation but then you you let them know the next week i remember last week when we got in a circle it was kind of hard to talk to people across the circle right or even to your neighbor this week we're splitting up into two circles so every week you just go smaller and smaller and then finally by, you know, third week, fourth week, you're in small circles. And then you get up and you're like, yo, you see how easy it is to talk to your people? There you go. We're going to launch small groups. Of course, the whole time you're bringing in, hey, here's how Jesus did it. Here's how the Acts model is in and how the church did it when they were first getting started. All these things bring up the necessity of community in your life, bring up, you're going to become like the five closest friends you have, bring up all that and tell them we cannot do life alone. Yeah, No one here walks alone. You have to make community a big deal if you don't believe in it and you don't model it, then people aren't going to believe in it or yeah. be a part of it either. That's good. Good. So what's um what's one piece of advice you would give a youth pastor out there regarding small groups or more? You could give more than one. I'm about to. <laughs> For the youth pastor, I would say that small groups are a big deal because we say that all the time here at Oaks Youth. It's a culture statement. Yeah, we do. There's three little B big deals that make small groups a big deal. And I'd say this. I'd say that time is a big deal because the way students spell love is T-I-M-E. Students spell love, time. And you can waste your time, you can spend your time, or you can invest your time. Like students are going to know that you care about them and that they're valued if you or a leader you have or a solid student that you have is spending time with people. I'd say the Bible is a big deal that, you know, students are more biblically illiterate than you may think. I mentioned it earlier, that's this generation and our wisdom and experience is never going to make the impact that we want to see. And I would constantly be saying it is written. I would say statements that I want repeated and I want students to say, you know, Pastor Chris always says that. Hmm. I wonder why you'd want to say that. Yeah. And then I say the last thing is character is a big deal. You're going to teach what you know, but you're going to reproduce who you are. And so so the number one struggle our leaders have is that we just like to be liked. It's a student, and if they praise you, that's awesome. It, like, fills you with things, like good feelings. But if you look at Scripture, sometimes leaders just aren't liked. And so your relationship with God has got to be what matters the most because you can't lead from somewhere you've never been. And so if if you want these students to go deep in their faith, are you deep in your faith? Mm, Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I'd... I would say that for the youth pastor that there's three F's. I'm going to I'm going to give some some of these. The three functions of a small group leader, that would be a fan, a friend, and a father. For the fan, some students just need you to be that guy that gives them a high five every time you see them. Yeah. 
They don't need you to go deep. They just need you to be that hype man. For some students, they need a friend. They need someone to talk to. They need someone they can hang out with. They need that person in their life. For some students that this one takes a long time, that you build up enough relational equity with, they need a father because some students don't have one. They may have one in the home, but he may be emotionally absent. And so they need someone that they respect their opinion, who has shown them that they love them unconditionally, that you look at them and sometimes you have to give them the hard truth and say, hey, I love you, but you need to hear this right now. And if you built up enough relational equity with that, that guy or that girl, then they're going to listen. Yeah. No. Awesome. Okay, Chris. So let's let's just say, for example, that you're a high school student. You're wanting to create a group. You, you want to create this community. How would you advise the student to go about that? I'd encourage you to just look at your life, see what you do on a consistent basis that you love doing, and then ask yourself, what can I invite people to do with me? Your life can be your small group. Not every single moment of it, like you don't have to have people with you all the time. But if you go disc golfing every single week or you play ultimate frisbee, I don't know, I'm just mentioning frisbee. If you do, if you go to the nail salon, I don't know how expensive that would get. If you go to the mall, if you do any anything that is just fun to you and that is life-giving and you know other people would enjoy that too, invite people to do that with you. And then it's literally as simple as this. If you don't have curriculum, you sit down, you read a verse in the Bible, and you talk about it. It, it takes some prep on you as the person that you know wants to have this community around you, and you're going to have to put in some work to foster that. But if you sat down and you read a chapter of your Bible and you wrote out five questions that didn't take a yes or no response, you actually like wanted an answer from people that they could give you. You sat down, you read that chapter, you wrote those questions. Yeah. We have a guy in our youth ministry that straight up does small groups over video games. He gets on his Fortnite lobby, okay? They know when we get on at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, we're going to talk about the Bible for 30 minutes, and then we're going to play a game. So they just like, really? no playing. They just talk yeah. into their headsets for 30 minutes or whatever about faith, and then they'll play Fortnite for however long after that. Just look at your life. Yeah. If you do anything consistently, it it doesn't have to be every week. It could be every two weeks. Just look at your life and go, okay, what can I do to invite people into it and get them to start talking about this thing called faith and surrounding myself with friends that are going to be a good influence on me because it's not your job to change them. When you start talking about these things, yeah. The Bible is going to, like, God's going to change them when they're reading his word. You're just the vessel that God's using to spark that life change. Awesome. You're, you're just there to build the relationship, and then you let God do the work. Right. That's awesome. And then so good. that gives you opportunity. Like, if you were to graduate and then start helping out a youth ministry, many people would call you a leader. And that puts you so far ahead of the game. Even in your faith, it matures you a lot to have to figure out where to go to to answer questions that people ask you. Because yeah. if you're leading those conversations, yeah. people are going to ask you hard questions. Yeah. So it takes that, and then it gives you an opportunity to really go deep with one person or two people. Like if you're a high schooler, you could easily do this with junior hires. Man, there's a youth pastor in Tulsa right now. His name's Sam Grosso, and he is crushing it in Tulsa. Victory Youth, he said the one thing that impacted his life the most was that when he was in high school, his youth pastor look at, looked at him because he wanted to go into ministry. Yeah. And I'm telling you, even if you don't, this is gold. He said, what can I do to make the most of my years in high school? And his youth pastor looked at him and said, 
find a group of three junior high guys and pour your life into them, everything you have. So he said, okay, now to look at him and what he's doing, I know the youth ministry he has is a straight blessing and just gift from God. Yeah, There are things that he started building on and things he started learning that even if he wouldn't have gone into youth ministry or ministry at all, when he graduated, he would have gone into business or whatever. He would have still been doing ministry because he would have learned my life is simply about knowing God and making him known and helping other people then do the same thing. As a high schooler, you're in such a cool position to influence and to impact people around you. All it takes is looking at your life and inviting people into it. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Well, thanks, Chris, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. It's been a privilege to sit down with you for a few minutes to talk about this. Guys, if you're listening and you want to check Chris out on social media, we'll have the information posted in the description of this podcast. And uh, so check him out and follow him. Also, the information that he mentioned regarding the other social media accounts. So hope you guys are having a good day. And we'll talk to you again soon, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Thanks.